So Jeremy Fowler, as someone who is currently working the Lamar Jackson beat for ESPN, I, I felt obligated to start this story by talking about a tweet. Last month, January 11th, right before the NFL playoffs started, Lamar Jackson tweeted what exactly? He tweeted this. Thank you, everyone, for your support and concerns regarding my injuries. I want to give you all an update as I am in the recovery process. I've suffered a PCL grade 2 sprain on the borderline of a strain 3. There is still inflammation surrounding my knee, and my knee remains unstable. I'm still in good spirits as I continue with treatments on the road to recovery. I wish I could be out there with my guys more than anything, but I can't give 100% of myself to my guys and fans. I'm still hopeful we still have a chance. Yeah, then there was some like purple heart emojis, I think, on there too, right? Yes, purple <laughs> heart, purple heart. I, see, I think I see two here. And so these emojis, uh, the message of this tweet, which essentially Lamar Jackson saying, hey, um, sorry, I cannot play in the postseason. Explain why this was such a big deal at the time. Well, it was a big deal for a few reasons. One is the Ravens were surprised by the tweet. They didn't expect it. Mm. Players had gone home for the day. As far as I was told, they had finished practice that Thursday. Coaches were still in meetings. And then, bam, the tweet comes out with all this detail about a player's injury, which you usually don't see in the NFL landscape. They certainly didn't expect the message to come out sort of full frontal for fans to digest. They didn't really know what to make of it or what to expect. They were just sort of shocked by it based on some of the people that I spoke to. And what you're describing here in this confusion on the team side, it feels like a bit of a mess, Jeremy, to say the least. You know, I think there's a situation where for the last couple years, the player and the team have had interest in getting a long-term deal done, but they have different views on how to get there. Of course, Lamar Jackson believes that as a top passer in the league and the precedent for players like Deshaun Watson getting fully guaranteed deals that that he should be justified in receiving the same or more. Uh, where the Ravens just have never structured deals that way. They're also a stable franchise. They don't have to act out of any sort of desperation at this point. And so you just have different viewpoints. And, and so it's resulting in no contract. And... Uh, we, we get the sense in our reporting that the uh, Ravens have felt like Lamar's been tough to corral at times to try to sit down and really try to hammer out uh, the intricacies of a contract, which usually requires an agent, uh, which Lamar Jackson doesn't have. And so they're just these hurdles that have been in place for the better part of two years now. Mm. And now whether that factored into him playing or not playing or the end of year theatrics, there are at least questions about the trust between the player and the team right now. There's no doubt. So this NFL offseason is already kind of a uh, spectacular mess because Patrick Mahomes is out here giving Kenny Powers style victory speeches and a hallucinating Aaron Rodgers is somewhere trying to eat two meals a day in total darkness. And anyone who wants the Ravens to be good at football, they must feel like they are also hallucinating, trapped in a waking nightmare 
of sorts, where their team is steadfastly refusing to give Lamar Jackson what he wants, and even more importantly, what he thinks he deserves. And so today, Jeremy Fowler walks us through his new reporting with Jameson Hensley into the NFL's premier contract standoff. And he shines a light on what's to come. I'm Pablo Torre. It's Thursday, February 23rd. And this is ESPN Daily. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with the smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. So, Jeremy Fowler, uh, the possibility that Lamar Jackson, former MVP of the league, would get traded from the Ravens, it started off as uh, unthinkable at some point, and now it is seemingly not only possible, but just the biggest story of this offseason. And so just remind us of what was going on a year ago last offseason. What was the status of Lamar's contract back then? Well, a year ago, the Baltimore Ravens were going into an offseason in which they felt fully confident that they could sign Lamar Jackson. He played the fourth year of his rookie deal. They knew that he was going to play on his fifth-year option. That was already done and decided. And so he technically had one more year left on his contract, but... There was hope that they could get something done. And as the offseason continued to, to unfold, it became clear that the Jackson's contract demands were strong and that there wasn't really going to be a lot of nuance or budging on this front. He wanted a, a deal in excess of or more than Deshaun Watson got, which is $230 million guaranteed over five years. Now, he did that deal in March. That sort of changed things for for really quarterbacks around the league. Yes. You know, some didn't follow suit. You have Kyler Murray, you have Russell Wilson did contracts that were not fully guaranteed in more of a traditional NFL structure. But Lamar, as a new age player, saw it and said, I'm going to double up on that. And that's just not something Baltimore was willing to do. So they had some talks that were productive, but there, there was just never any momentum that anything was getting done. So the optimism you had in February and March sort of dissipated by late in the summer. And then it's like, okay, he's going to play this out. Well, the deal that Deshaun Watson signed, which was, again, unprecedented in its full guarantees and its size, $230 million, it was obvious that a bunch of power brokers around the NFL owners didn't love this, right? I mean, Steve Ashotti, the owner of the Ravens, was on record saying that this was something that was at the very least unsettling in terms of reshaping the marketplace. So what was the offer that the Ravens ended up making to Lamar Jackson that they felt was compelling outside of the, yeah, Deshaun Watson level. So not only were some teams frustrated by Deshaun Watson's deal, but 31 other teams were not at all happy because it set (laughs) a serious precedent, which is great for quarterbacks, not so great for teams who don't want to put all this money into escrow. We're talking 200 plus million dollars up front. And so just before the 2022 regular seasons, uh, the Ravens made what they felt was a compelling offer. You have a five-year deal worth over $250 million 
in total. Now, the guarantee was about $133 million at signing. That's according to our insiders, Adam Schefter and Chris Mortensen. Mm. And, you know, that would have made Lamar Jackson, I believe, the second highest paid quarterback in terms of guaranteed money behind Deshaun Watson. But we're talking about a huge gap here. That's about $100 million in guaranteed money and a gap between what Watson got and what the Ravens were offering. As far as I've gathered, there hasn't been a whole lot of bridging of that gap. According to a team source, all of Jackson's counteroffers last year were for fully guaranteed contracts that exceeded Watson's deal. And so there's just a huge gulf that the Ravens have to somehow make up here. Yeah, and so all of this is why Lamar Jackson decided to play the 2022 season without a new deal. And he accepted that risk. He bet on himself. And just early on this past season, Jeremy, how would you say that bet was looking for Lamar's stock individually? It was looking pretty good. I was told he spent a lot of the offseason working with a private quarterbacks coach, Adam Dado in L.A., works with a lot of NFL players, just working on the nuances of the passing game, trying to take that next step as a pocket passer. We all know Lamar Jackson's dynamic, MVP, great player. But the Ravens' passing numbers were never great under offensive coordinator Greg Roman and Lamar Jackson. So he was looking to lift that up, putting up some pretty big numbers. First down and 10 from the 45. Lamar off the play, big loads up. Middle of the field's got a man, and it is caught. Touchdown! 55 yards from Lamar Jackson, and the Ravens make it look easy. He was starting to show major strides. So week two, Lamar Jackson passed Michael Vick for the most 100-yard rushing games by a quarterback with a 79-yard touchdown run in the third quarter. Jackson in the shotgun, Mike Davis to his right. Jackson will keep it, he's got room. He's at the 30, it's a leg race, 40. Lamar Jackson midfield and going 40. One man to beat 30, he's to the 20. 10, 5, touchdown with a tumble. So it looked like he had added a little size in the offseason, he had bulked up uh, and still maintained his speed. So that, plus the work he put in as a passer, uh, was all a good sign. And then it looked like he was making a good bet on himself. AFC Offensive Player of the Month in September. Jackson, little shovel pass inside. Andrews, who will take it in for the Baltimore touchdown. Mark Andrews. First player in NFL history with at least three touchdown passes and 100 rushing yards in consecutive games. Jackson on third and one. Fakes the handoff, runs it himself. He's got the first down, and he, to the goal line, has the Baltimore touchdown. So all was looking good early on. Right. I mean, I remember those highlight reels. I remember those plays. I remember the Ravens blowing all of those leads also, incidentally. But Lamar, you're right. It a solid season. And then what happens? Well, really, Jackson hit a pretty big rut, one of the biggest of his career. So over the next nine games, seven touchdowns to five interceptions. Uh, he really seemed to not be the playful, surprising figure that everybody saw and fans fell in love with. And you just weren't seeing as much of the flashy nature of Lamar, the, the, the fun-loving player, than you did in the past. Uh, seemed to be a little more on edge. Lamar Jackson uh, angrily punted the ball after a delay a game penalty in the red zone against Carolina. Uh, he got in the face of teammate Ronnie Stanley in New Orleans. So there were just a few things that you typically didn't see from Lamar, and then the injuries came. And so for the second consecutive year, right. uh, late in the season, he was off the field and, and not considered durable. 
Right, right. Look, I remember him at one point, yeah, being the guy who was somersaulting into the end zone after a touchdown run, and then here he is throwing his helmet on the sideline, uh, just frustrated. And and so I want to take us to week 12, Jeremy, because at this point, the Ravens lose to the Jaguars. Tensions, the ones you've been describing, are, are ratcheting up. And Lamar isn't even sounding shy at all about how he's feeling at this point. Do you remember the last time you played in this stadium? Yeah, they told me in college. I lost again. What emotions do you think about when you think about that? And how, how does that make you feel? How would you feel if you lose? Yeah. Exactly. That's how I'm feeling. I don't like losing. Don't nobody should like losing, you know? But it is what it is. Just got to move on, get ready for next week. That's all. And, and by the way, he's not shy in front of microphones or on Twitter, where we started this story and where he, at this point, is, yeah, engaging in an online exchange that caught the attention of everybody on the Ravens. Why? Yeah, Jackson's temper seemed to flare up even more uh, when he went on social media uh, after the Week 12 loss to Jacksonville. Tucker, kick on the way, online, does it have the distance? No! And the Jaguars win! He saw a tweet from a Ravens fan that read, someone asking for over $250 million guaranteed like Jackson Games like this should not come down to kicker Justin Tucker. Mm. That fan added, let Lamar walk and spend that money on a well-rounded team. Jackson didn't seem to like that. No. He snapped back shortly afterwards with a profane reply saying, you know, among other things, directly to the fan that he never smelt a football field. Um, you know, that tweet was eventually deleted a few hours later. He apologized for it. I was just reacting at the time. I was, I was mad. You know, I wasn't thinking about actions. I was bitter. I feel like you should be bitter after the loss, though. Like, no smiles. I feel like the fans should be mad we lost, too, but not mad at us. Like, we tried, you know? But it happened. I apologize. In fact, John Harbaugh, the head coach, said that it was out of character for Jackson. It just begged guys not to, you know, not to get into the Twitter world right after the game, especially after a loss. What he said was just so out of character for him. That's not the way he talks. It's not the words he ever uses. I've never heard him say things like that before. But like, we talk, like you said, Bo, he wants to win. There were just some things that, that appeared out of character, whether it was frustration uh, over a frayed relationship or, or the contract negotiation. You know, it's still hard to pinpoint that, but something was amiss between the team and the player. And then one week later, it's week 13. And I mean, spoiler alert, this is, this is the end of his season, right? I mean, he injures his knee, his left knee, on the last play of the first quarter against the Broncos. And yeah, he's out for good. The thing about this, which you alluded to earlier that I want to just dive further into here is that the Ravens didn't know that this would be the end because, I mean, I remember this ongoing conversation from afar, uh, bleeding out into the public, watching it. Like the timeline of his return was, was a thing that John Harbaugh was asked about a lot. Just wanted to share this with you, kind of really about Lamar's injury, because I know you guys ask every week and everybody wants to know, but um, there really are no updates on that. Maybe people, you know, fans and media and, and everybody might get a little frustrated about, but it's just kind of the nature of it. And so what is your understanding of when Harbaugh and, yeah, the other coaches and Lamar's teammates believe that Lamar would maybe be able to get back onto the field again? Well, the one feeling of certainty among the team is that, okay, for the playoffs, he would be back. The conversation leading up to that was that Lamar was week to week, and there was a little bit of uncertainty there, but 
Coach John Harbaugh seemed pretty optimistic that, that his quarterback would be back on the field at some point. And I was hearing even about two weeks out from the playoffs, Lamar Jackson was feeling pretty good. Mm. Team was feeling pretty good that, that he could make it back. And then uh, players started to get pessimistic around week 18, coaches too, when he wasn't out there at all for practice. You know, he wasn't really a fixture in the normal practices of a team, being out on the practice field, being in team meetings. You know, when you rehab, you're sort of in relative isolation. So he was still in that mode uh, for a while, longer than they thought, you know, so... um, the more people we talked to, the more there was a, a pretty clear feeling that they thought he was going to play in the playoffs. That at the very least, there was cautious optimism entering those final few weeks. Uh, and then once he wasn't out there in the field that Wednesday of the playoff week, they knew pretty much that it was a done deal. Right. And then we get the tweet that we started the show with where Lamar breaks down for his followers exactly what's going on with his knee. And then we watch the Ravens end their season with this seven-point loss to the Bengals with Tyler Huntley, who's Lamar's backup, trying to valiantly Superman that quarterback sneak at the goal line only to fumble spectacularly. Huntley sticks the ball out. The Bengals have the ball. They are running it back. Sam Hubbard with blockers behind him. Hubbard to the Ravens 40, the 30, the 20, the 10, the 5. Touchdown. But at the time, as this was unfolding, where was Lamar as this game and, yeah, the aftermath of it um, was taking place? Well, to add to the weirdness of that week, Lamar Jackson was gone. He was uh, under an illness, and so he really wasn't in the building that week. He returned to the team, uh, I believe, that Monday after the playoff game. He was in the team meeting setting, but Mm. the season was over at that point. Wait, Lamar's back. Lamar's back in the building for the first time. And what's what's his demeanor like when he reappears finally? Well, his demeanor was sort of his usual jovial self, which we actually didn't always see midseason on the field when it looked like there was some frustration. No. He was dapping up teammates, and he even talked to Sammy Watkins, his receiver, who had said during the week uh, in uh, a publication that, you know, he really hoped Lamar would play, kind of hinted at, uh, at, at him, kind of urging him to get out on the field. Lamar gave him a hard time about that. So he was in a jovial mood. It speaks to his relationship with his teammates still being a positive. But uh, at the same time, there was just sort of this ominous feeling because uh, the future was as uncertain as it had been. Right. I talked to a team source who said a couple months ago, I would have said no way Lamar would ever be traded. Um, Now, I'm certainly still hopeful that he's not, but it just feels like everything's on the table. Right. And it seems like the undercurrent of his decision to hold himself out, prioritize his health, was that maybe that would have been different if he was, yeah, a guy with a fully guaranteed contract as he had demanded. Yeah, it's and that's a tough gray area too, right? Because when I talk to people in and around the situation, they say, look, the guy was legitimately hurt. There's no disputing that. So if he doesn't feel right... Like, you have to respect a, a player's injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, they thought he was going to be able to play by the playoffs, and, and, like, that's pretty unanimous. So it's hard to marry those two worlds of business and health. In this case, Yeah, trying to sort that out, I think people at the Ravens largely gave him the benefit of the doubt. 
One source told me, like, I just don't think the kid's there, that he's, you know, trying to maneuver the, the business side by sitting out purposefully. They don't see Lamar as that kind of guy. But at the same time, it was weird. Some people that I talked to at least asked the question, like, if they just would have paid him, maybe he finds a way to go out there at 80% and hand the ball off and not run as much. You know, like, right. those are at least questions that were asked. Yeah, no, especially in a seven-point game, a game that was winnable, and all of these questions, all that gray area which you pointed out is is totally fair. But, but okay, after the break, Jeremy, I want to figure out where Lamar and the Ravens' negotiations are right now, and, yeah, what could happen next. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home some huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. So, Jeremy, before we sort of catch everybody up on where negotiations stand today... I do want to put this into just this larger context because Lamar Jackson was the MVP of the league in 2019, not that long ago. He is 26 years old. And I'm looking at the history books here and no MVP quarterback had ever been traded before age 30 wow. in the history of the sport. And, and so just the whole notion of why the Ravens are not giving Lamar Jackson what he wants, that fully guaranteed deal... What is their hesitation here? Why are they even considering doing something that no other team has done before? Well, the hesitation is clearly with the guaranteed money. They just, as a franchise, don't want to go that far or haven't been willing to go that far as of yet. So it's now a song and dance. Negotiations are centered around the franchise tag. The team has until March 7th to place the tag on him, either an exclusive franchise tag, mm. which would pay him $45 million in the neighborhood of that, and they could control any potential trade, which means they can ask for whatever they want. If you put the non-exclusive franchise tag on them, which is a lower number, but a prospective team can put in an offer sheet as long as they're willing to give up two first-round picks for Lamar. So uh, if they put the non-exclusive franchise tag on them, that would be really telling. That says, hey, we're done with Lamar. Yeah. They put the exclusive tag on them, which is largely expected. Then it says it could go either way, but they can still negotiate, right? Talking to people around the league, they sort of forecasted this song and dance lasting two years, right? You had last year mm. where he played the final year of his rookie deal, and then now you're on the franchise tag. And I'm sure you remember Le'Veon Bell and some of these other stories where a guy gets tagged when he doesn't want to and thinks yep. his value is bigger than the team does. He doesn't have to show up for a long time. He doesn't have to show up at all because he's not under contract and hasn't signed anything at that point. Right. So this is going to be a long, drawn-out song and dance most likely where – 
you know, you have a new offensive coordinator in Todd Munkin who might not see Lamar Jackson for a long time, depending on when he decides to sign that tag that's inevitably coming. Unless the Ravens make progress with him on a negotiation. You know, I haven't heard of any hard and fast progress yet, but we'll see where talks go in, in the coming weeks and maybe they'll pick up. But but the calculus here, let's play, let's play it out as if like, okay, they're deciding to maybe explore the trade market here for Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Jeremy, what is that even like? How do you get fair value for a guy like this who, by the way, they built their entire team around? Yeah, it's it's so complicated, Pablo, because you have a player who obviously is elite and who wins more than two-thirds of the games that he starts, which compared to the backdrop of the Ravens' record without him is jarring. Yeah. So you have an MVP at 26 years old, as you alluded to earlier. Those kind of guys just don't get traded. But at the same time, you have an unprecedented contract situation that's sort of been sprung upon the team. And so they're trying to hash this out. Meanwhile, you have other quarterbacks around the league. Big, big names. Joe Burrow, Justin Herbert, Jalen Hurts. They have their own contract negotiations going on this offseason. What if they get fully guaranteed deals? Mm. Maybe that uh, eases the tension on the Ravens. But I go back to this quote I got from a high-level NFL executive who said, just because the Browns are desperate when they signed Deshaun Watson, that doesn't mean that the Ravens are desperate. Like, they're a stable franchise. They're really good. They win. They've won Super Bowls. Uh, Great ownership, GM, head coach, the whole deal. So it's not the same situation as Cleveland. And Baltimore wants to preserve that, you know. So that's the rub a little bit. It's precedent, and it's also prestige of, uh, of a franchise that's considered in the upper tier and doesn't want to just balk at a player's demands. Well, the ego on both sides here, which is becoming clearer and clearer, I do want to assess just Lamar's value, right? So you described this marketplace for quarterbacks. Yeah. And look, I, I think of Aaron Rodgers also being out there too right now, Derek Carr in a lesser sense, but certainly I'm curious where Lamar's talents rank him in the eyes of yeah other teams as to the options that you know they're considering alongside an Aaron Rodgers. So I was told that Lamar Jackson would go to the top of the line. So he would go ahead of Aaron Rodgers in that proverbial pecking order. Rodgers is in his late 30s. Lamar Jackson, 26, in his prime, more dynamic player at this stage. Yeah. Even though Rodgers, back-to-back MVPs not too long ago. It's assumed that the Ravens will be looking at a baseline of two first-round picks. Yeah, the price tag on this is, is yeah, kind of mind-blowing now. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, but we could be talking about three first-round picks because that's what Cleveland gave up for Deshaun Watson. Like, it, it would take a massive haul. And so that's why some executives with other teams I talked to are a little skeptical whether a team's willing to go that far considering the contract demands and some of the durability issues, you would require a head coach and GM that are in survival mode. And when you're in survival mode, you might make a move that is short-sighted as far as the long-term health of your roster and draft capital and all those things. Yeah, and just to clarify, because you mentioned the injury concern, and again, Lamar Jackson has an injury history that is well-known by now. How much is that factoring into the resistance to, yeah, the price tag here? I hear differing views on that when I talk to other teams. Some don't really see him as a durability, liability long-term just because, you know, they feel like some of his injuries happened in the pocket. You know, he had a knee and an ankle issue in the last few years. It's not like he was running around and taking unnecessary hits. In fact, he's really good at not taking hits at all. I think the bigger concern 
for teams when it comes to Lamar is how long his legs can stay fresh because running quarterbacks could lose that speed a little bit. Uh, and if you do, you know, you got to win as a pocket passer, which teams believe he can do. Enough teams see him as, at the very least, a top 7 to 10 quarterback where they're going to look hard into it. Yeah, I mean, uh, very understandably. But but I guess now I'm wondering how understanding Lamar's teammates are about just the idea of, hey, um, we may, we may uh, trade away our MVP. Well, these players know what's real and what's not. And what's real is when Lamar Jackson's on the field, it gives them such a more better chance to win. Some of the comments from players have been telling. Uh, you heard Marlon Humphrey tweet out that uh, when he was at the Pro Bowl, gauging interest of other players joining him in Baltimore, quote, every time I try, I met with, are y'all going to pay Lamar? <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, and then Calais Campbell said it really well. You know, he's a guy who has been a longtime players union rep. He understands the business of football better than just about any player. Yeah, their defensive and end. Yeah, and, and he called Jackson a legend, ultimate X-factor. Quote, when we're on the football field and we know Lamar Jackson is back there quarterbacking, we believe we can beat anybody. We can't just put anybody back there <laughs> and expect to be a great football team. So he's laying out all the logic, like, hey, great, if you can get draft capital yeah. for Lamar Jackson in a trade, but what does that really do for you when you're not going to be able to replace a top player at the position? So. You know, players are about the bottom line business and they know Lamar Jackson is good for business. Yes. How is draft capital uh, in the pocket would be a question that I would have if I was on this team. <laughs> How's his no doubt. Yeah. You know, if they were playing general manager, they would clearly give him whatever he wants. Uh, but it, it's not up to the players. It's going to be up to the front office. Right. And as to the front offices on the record statements here, it does sound like they are trying to preserve the notion that hey, this offense we built around this guy, um, we'd like him to still be the guy who is running it. For sure. And that took place, or that was evident in their offensive coordinator search recently where they landed on Georgia offensive coordinator Todd Munkin taking the job. When I talked to candidates who were involved, they said the Ravens' focus was based on two things. How can you improve Lamar Jackson and how can you build rapport with him? Now, I, I don't necessarily think the team made assurances that Lamar would definitely be back, but I don't know that they had to do that either when they were talking to candidates. They just wanted to know what their plan was for him. So it's it's clear that they want Lamar to grow as a passer and have chances to have freedom at the line of scrimmage to be able to do what he needs to do to grow in that area and, and take the passing game, which has really been one of the worst in the league for a while, uh, to the next level. John Harbaugh, the head coach, has now parted ways with coordinators in back-to-back -back years, defensive coordinator Wink Martindale a year ago, and now Greg Roman. So he clearly, not just from the right. quarterback standpoint, from, from the team standpoint, sees a window that he feels like they have to capitalize on, and it's gotten a little stale. He peeled back the curtain and realized that it's, it's best for the team uh, to get a new coordinator in there. So I don't think the presence of Todd Munkin as coordinator will really affect negotiations all that much. It's a nice solid to Lamar, like, hey, we're, you know, we're going to help you out. You're going to have input in this process, which we had heard in our reporting that Lamar did have input early on after they parted ways with Greg Roman. He talked with the team mm. about direction of the offense, some of those things. And so it's a good step, but the money always talks. And that's separate from any coach that's in place. And, yeah. Uh, so the Ravens would have to come correct and sort of bridge that gap. Or they just wait out Lamar wait out this offseason on the franchise tag, just hope that 
he comes back to him and says, hey, okay, I'll, I'll throw you a little, little extra and less guarantees here. But there's no evidence that that's happening. So uh, enjoy the popcorn. Yeah, Jeremy Fowler, you've now mentioned that there will be singing and dancing and now popcorn. So, uh, yeah, thank you for uh, entertaining us. Thank you. I'm Pablo Torre. This has been ESPN Daily. And I'll talk to you tomorrow.